0: We are up we 've been in a series on first peter we 're going to take a pause from that today and inject just like this one time message and fresh voice into our church community. Uh, I was in Quebec City for a few days this week with um, about three hundred and forty uh, other leaders, many of them were church planters, a, a majority of them were church planters, um, and we were there just you know part of a Quebec ministry in C to C that helps and nurtures church planters and It was so great to be there and I met um, Two great people from uh, from British Columbia out in Abbotsford and Mission, uh, B.C. Uh, Jeff is one of them. Maybe, Jeff, you can just kind of raise your hand. And uh, and then uh, Ezra as well. You'll you'll meet him in a moment. And so they come from a church called Northview Community Church. A few of you would know this church. And a few of you might remember years ago a guy named Johnny Markin who uh, has done music here in Quebec and really has a passion for our province. And uh, they're part of the same church and the same ministry. So I met them and thought, you know what, it would be so great to have um, just a fresh voice uh, on a weekend. And uh, And so Ezra... Uh, is going to come up, and Ezra has, he was born in Kenya, but has been ministering here in North America for several, several years. Uh, Ezra, you can let us know a little bit about that. Um, I met him on the weekend, for, or in the week for the first time, and just a bundle of passion and, uh, and joy and energy, and so I thought this would be awesome to, I, I didn't have to pray much to say, hey, should Ezra speak, so <laughs> Ezra, thank you for being here today, we're, we're excited, maybe tell us a little bit about yourself as you start, but sure. thanks for being here. Sure,
1: Well, good morning. Yes, uh, my name is Ezra, as you have heard, and uh, I come from Kenya originally, but now I live in uh, Abbotsford, British Columbia. I, myself, and Jeff Bucknam. Jeff is my lead pastor. He's my boss. So now I have really to bring my A game today because my boss is right there. Uh, Jeff is the lead pastor of North Community Church. Jeff and I work together uh, to proclaim Christ in that part of the world. And so our church... Uh, replanted a church in a small city called Mission, and Mission is about 15, 20 minutes away from Abbotsford, and I happen to be the campus pastor there, um, serving the Lord. They've been uh, doing that work for about a little over two and a half years, and the Lord continues to show us his grace and mercy. So we are so glad uh, to have the privilege to come to Quebec. It's first time in Quebec, first time in Quebec City, first time in Montreal. So Jeff and I are having a wonderful time. Together, I am married, my dear wife, Tamara, and my three children, Caleb, my firstborn son, is 12, Jael, my daughter, is 11, those two are 11 months apart. We were hoping for twins, but we got the next best thing, and then we have our youngest who is eight, her name is Ishara, a sweetheart indeed. Well, enough about me, we want to turn to the Word of God, but before we do that, let me pray and just commit this time into the Lord's hands, and then we'll look at the Word together. Father, we have sung about your goodness this morning. Father, we have fellowshiped with one another. And Lord, even this hour, we think of the kids doing Youth Alpha right now. Father, we pray that particularly for those who don't know you, Lord, may this be the day of salvation for them. Father, as we still our hearts before your word, we pray that you would speak to us. As we read your word, we pray that, Lord, you would bring to life the truths in it. Lord, I pray for myself that you'll help me articulate what you have to say to us this day clearly, Father, through this text. And I pray that you'd encourage us as we leave. That we leave knowing that you are God and you are good and you are for us, not against us. So, Father, we pray that you'd be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a Bible, you'll want to go to Luke chapter 7. Luke 7 is a text that I'll be working through. Luke chapter 7, verse 18 to 23 is a passage that I'd like us to go through. A very interesting story that is going on there. As you turn there, here's a short story. I have a friend of mine. He's a young adult. I was a young adult pastor, and I was pastoring this young boy. The uh, very sad story in his case His mom, when he was still a teen, an early teen, about 13, 14, around there, his mom um, suffered with cancer. She fought cancer, fought cancer, and unfortunately, uh, a few months later, his mother died. And as you can imagine, him and his three other siblings struggled. He's the third born, two brothers ahead of him and a sweet little girl behind him. And so they struggled as a family because the death of a mom for a teenager is difficult, as I'm sure you can all imagine. So the mom dies, and then the dad is distraught, of course, as you can imagine. And so the dad was a single parent for quite a while. And so this young man grew up and then he met someone, they got married, it was going okay, and then the dad met a lady who now just came into his life and then he married her because he now wanted to grow old with a companion because the kids were now grown and they were getting married now. So dad wanted to move on with his life. So he meets this lady, a remarkable woman from Ontario. And so they get married, they settle in BC and everything is going okay until one day she realized, oh, there was a lump on her breast. She goes to the doctor, yes, it's cancer, they go through the chemo, and then the doctor says, well, it's gone now, well, it came back. And then when it came back, it came back with a vengeance, and within a matter of weeks, she was dead. And I remember being at the hospital, with, with the dad As this lady is dying And she's taking a last breath And I'm looking at the dad My friend in his eyes And he's seeing the, his, his, his wonderful wife Passing away And she passed And now had, I have this horrible job Of going now to the family Who are waiting in the waiting room And telling them Guess where Linda has gone She's gone home to be with the Lord Yes, great, she's gone home with the Lord But man, death is ugly So I go and I tell Brad, my friend, hey Brad, you know what? I'm sorry, man. Linda, who was now like a second mom, she's gone. And Brad just crumbled. You could see his face fell. It's like the ceiling crushed. His head And he just wept and wept and grabbed me. Now he knows I'm a friend, but I'm a pastor as well. He grabbed me and said, Ezra, why does God hate us? He said. There I was. I couldn't say much. Just looked at him. And I hugged him. And I hugged him tight. And he cried and kept saying, Ezra, why does God hate us? Because, man, we had prayed for Linda. We prayed and prayed and prayed. But the Lord chose to call Linda home. So then the question, Lord, if you are God, why would you let these things happen? If you are Lord, why would you let these things Happen. And maybe some of you have been praying, asking the Lord to do something in your life or open a door, praying for a family, friend, neighbor, coworker to come to Christ or someone who's sick or you're praying for your own financial situation, whatever it is. And the Lord is not answering. So then the question is, Lord, if you are Lord, why are you letting these things happen? Why? See... You're not the only one asking this question, because in the biblical text, there are other men and women in the biblical text who've asked the same question of the Lord. And this is what John the Baptist asked the Lord as well. So, Luke chapter 7, verse 18 to 23. And I'll read the passage for you. I'm reading from the ESV translation. The disciples of John, verse 18 reported all these things to him. What things? Jesus has, was doing ministry around. He had raised a dead person. He had healed a centurion's child in John chapter seven, verse one, all the way to verse uh, 17. So all these things, Jesus is doing amazing things in the community. And so John is report, John's disciples come to him and report all those things to John. And John, verse 19, calling two of his disciples to him, sent them to the Lord saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And when the men had come to Jesus, had come to him, they had come to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And in that hour, he, being Jesus, healed many people of the diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and on many who were blind, he bestowed sight. And he answered them. Go and tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The lepers are cleansed. And the deaf hear. The dead are raised up. The poor have good news. Preach to them. Verse 23. And blessed is the one. Who is not offended. By me. Now at first glance. That's a very. Interesting story, a very interesting passage there. I mean, for one, this is John the Baptist. This is the guy who baptized Jesus, right? So here, John the Baptist, we see him asking this strange question, asking his disciples to go and find Jesus and ask him, are you the one? John the Baptist, how can you ask this question yet? You're the one who heard the voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved son, whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When Jesus was being baptized, John heard this, right? So John is now asking whether Jesus is the... Really, John? And then... These disciples go and and they ask Jesus. You know, you've watched this movie where you have this old wise man and these young guns, these young guys or girls come and then they ask the wise person a question and you're waiting for the response, but the wise person doesn't answer the question but just talks about something else and you're wondering, like, answer the question, buddy. And these ones are the kind of waiting. This is what Jesus is doing here, right? The the two disciples come and they ask Jesus a question and what does Jesus do? Ah, yeah, yeah, great question, but he continues to do ministry. And then he turns around and says, yeah, go now, tell John what you've seen and heard. Oh, yeah, and by the way, blessed the one who's not offended by me. End of story. Like, what kind of response is that? So now we'll consider this text in two sections. Number one, we will consider the servant's question. This question, are you the one who is to come, or shall we wait for another? We'll consider that first, and then second, we will look at a Savior's response. So a servant's question, then a Savior's response. So point number one, a servant's question. Now, who's the servant here? John. John is the servant. Who was John? Really, when you look at Luke chapter one, this very book, Luke chapter one, you will see the story of John. An angel prophesied his birth and ministry. An angel of the Lord came to his father. Luke chapter 1 verse 12 to 17 will tell you this story. This angel appeared to Zechariah and promised that John will come. And not only that, while John was in his mother's womb, while John was in his mother's womb, he was filled with the Spirit of God. So this was no small guy here. This was a big dude. God had already appointed him for ministry while he was still in his mother's womb. So, and not only that, I want to read a, a long section of scripture here, John 3. So, I mean, not John 3, Luke chapter 3. So, if you have your Bible, just go a few pages back to Luke chapter 3. I want to read a long section here, just to give us a flavor of who John the Baptist is, this servant of God. Now, Luke chapter 3, verse 1. In the 15th year, in the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate being governor of Judea. And Herod being tetrarch of Galilee. And his brother Philip, a tetrarch of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis, And Licinius, tetrarch of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of the Lord came to John, son of Zechariah. In the wilderness. Let me stop there. You know, when you're reading the Bible and you read this section that I've just read, you're kind of ignoring who are these people? You know, Tiberius Caesar, okay, okay, fine. Pontius Pilate, and then Philip, and then Licinius. Like, who are these people? And where's Abilene? Like, forget that. And you keep reading, right? Well, pay close attention to what this passage is actually saying. What what, What Luke is highlighting here. Is look at all the political heavyweights of the, of the time. So you'd say in the year when Donald Trump was the president of the United States and, and Justin Trudeau was prime minister of Canada and Queen Elizabeth was still queen of England and the Commonwealth during the whatever of whoever. And when Don Cherry was still doing hockey night in Canada. Yeah, those days. See, now you're already you're already, into, you're already tapping into the heavyweights of the area of the time. These are people who they would stand up in front of people and say something people will hear, right? So think about it this way. In Canada, if you want your message to go forward, who would you pick to be the bearer of your message? You might choose a hockey player, maybe? You might choose a celebrity. To do so, if you wanted your message to go worldwide, whom would you pick to, to be the mouthpiece, the, the person to share your message? Whom would you choose? The same thing commercials, big companies, what they do, they'll go to celebrity. If they want to sell their stuff and choose a big name, right? Yes, but here it's interesting that God in spite of all these political heavyweights that I've just mentioned here, he puts his word to John, son of Zechariah, who was where? In a palace? No. Playing the Olympics? No. Ice hockey? No. He's in the wilderness. Is whom, this is the person, this insignificant guy, the Spirit of God would put his message on John. Let me just pause the sermon and say this. You know, you might think you're so insignificant, But God can use you. You don't have to be the greatest hockey player in Canada. You don't need to be the musician or the celebrity or the beauty queen or the cover girl or whatever. You don't need to be any of those things for God to use you. Right? Right. Because God, by His Spirit, can put His Word in you. And use you as a servant. So anyway... So this is John. The word of God comes to him. Despite of all these political heavyweights. The Lord's word comes to him. While he's in the wilderness. Verse 3. And he went into all the region around the Jordan. Proclaiming a baptism of repentance. And the forgiveness of sin. So he's going around and. You know, declaring, repent, 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 and your sins will be forgiven. Now let me ask you this question. So let's say you were to uh, maybe come to Pastor David, and you say, hey, Pastor, we want a revival in this area. You know, I want people to hear the gospel. And Pastor says, okay, fine, let's put resources there. The band is all collected, everything is going great. And you invite people, you put a barbecue, people love food, so they'll come, barbecue and all that, right? And so the people have all gathered here. And after they've gathered here, now you stand up and you're about to preach to them the gospel, what would you say? You and I will probably say, you know, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. It's so good to have you here. Thank you for choosing to spend your afternoon, your evening, your morning with us, right? You'd be saying that. What did John say? Verse 7, and therefore he said to the crowds that came to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, he said. (laughs) Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Verse 8, bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. Wow, John, calm down, dude. Verse 9. Even now, he continues, even now, the axe is at the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit, he will cut it down and throw it into what? The fire. Wow. This is what he will tell the crowds that have come to be baptized. Verse 10, and the crowd said to him, what shall we do? And he answered them. Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you're authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, What shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusations, and be content with your wages. As the people were in expectations and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all saying, I baptize you with water, but... He who is mightier than I is coming, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Let me pause there. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Not to say that he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Okay, he's Holy Spirit, now he is fire. No, he's actually saying he is able to either baptize you with the Holy Spirit or with fire. What is this fire? This is not the good fire. This is hell fire. How do we know this? Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Uh, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and uh, and, and, and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable what? Fire. So you know what this fire is? This is Christ. And you know when people say, oh, what makes hell such a terrible place? Oh, it's because God is not there. No, Christ is there. How do I know this? Revelation chapter 14 verse 8. Jesus himself with his angels will be there. And he will be the one who is inflicting the judgment there. And that's what John is saying here. That he is the one who is able to either give his spirit or fire. So, verse 18, with many exhortations, he preached the good news. Notice, he preached the good news. Everything that I've told you, according to the author of Luke here, what I've said to you, that's good news. He preached the good news. Repent, or this will happen to you. Is what he said. He preached the good news to the people. But Herod the tetrach, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evils that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. So what did Herod do? See, Herod had gone and seduced his brother's wife and taken his brother's wife and made his brother's wife his own. And John went and said, You dude, that is sin before God there. You're totally offside, and Herod didn't like that. And John went and preached the gospel in other places, and Herod did not like that either. And so he decided to throw John in prison. Now it is interesting what Jesus will say of John in Luke chapter 7, our text, but verse 28, a few verses later, Jesus will say, among women, there is none greater than John. So John was a big dude, and he was preaching the gospel Faithfully, his gospel message wasn't soft. His gospel message wasn't sugar-coated. His gospel message was direct. Right? Right. So what's happening here? John, he's in prison now for preaching this message. He's in prison. And he doesn't know what's, what's going on. And so he's... Is Jesus the one? See, John's story and the question... Reminds me of a woman I know in Africa. See, I told you I grew up in Africa. So there's a woman I know. And this lady in Africa was married to this guy, but this guy was pretty much a deadbeat husband. Every foul, gross name you would call a woman, this man called this lady. And he would go and drink, and drink, and drink like a fish. And he'd come home staggering. And he'd fall on the couch. And he would sleep there. And he would urinate there and poop on himself. On that couch. And he's done this for years. And years and years. Now this woman is a Christian. She hasn't left him. She chose to stay. But she keeps asking, Lord, Lord, why me? Why me? Why me? me?" She asks, "Why me? Why me? Why me? Why me?" And he does that constantly. Right now, it's now going to 11:30 here. So in Africa, it's probably coming to the evening time now. In Africa, as we speak right now, I don't know what this guy is doing. If he's in a pub, by the time you and I are enjoying our afternoon, yeah, he'll be home, and who knows what he will do on the couch. And he will not clean it up, she will have to clean it up. And this woman, Christian, loves the Lord, prays fervently, has prayed for this man 40 years. But no salvation. So now what? So now what? You see, sometimes when the pressures of life come against us, we are always left wondering whether God is even listening to our prayers. Like this lady. Like John, you're always wondering, is God really answering prayer? So if you're here and you're single, and maybe you're trusting the Lord to bring someone to you to marry, you're wondering, Lord, will someone ever ask me? Will someone ever come? Will someone even want to be with me? Or maybe you're here and your marriage is falling apart, and you're staring at the reality of being a single parent for many years now. And you're wondering now, if he goes and our whole world is broken and all these things go haywire, how is this going to be? And how will people view me now in society? Or you're a parent and your children are abandoning the faith, abandoning you. And you don't even know what Christmas will look like because your son is addicted to drugs. Or they're running around with the wrong crowd and they want nothing to do with you. And the last time you heard, he's in gangs now. And you and I both know, gangs not good. And you're praying and asking, Lord, how will this go? Or maybe it's financial crisis that you're facing. You're here, yes. You're praising God, yes. But in your heart, you, you, you're scared about what tomorrow will look like because the bank will be calling. The credit has been calling. And you're trusting the Lord. Lord, I trusted you with this business. I invest, I borrowed money. I put it all in this business. It's not working. So now What? Now what? Or it's probably illness. You've been fighting illness. Or a loved one's been fighting illness. You've been trusting God, you've been talking to Pastor David. Pastor, Pastor, Pastor. Pastor. But the person is still in and out of hospital. There are times, there are times, there are times when the pressures of life become so hard when you wonder, is God does God even care? See, that's where John is, he's sitting in prison. And his two disciples come to him and they tell him, Hey dude, you know, Jesus is doing this and this and that and the other. And John is there. If, if this is Jesus, and I've been preaching this message to people faithfully, constantly, telling them about Jesus constantly, surely Jesus is going to do something, right? If Jesus is truly who he says he is, then why am I sitting in a prison? Why am I not out there doing ministry with him? Why am I here? Why is he not risking me? That is a servant's question. So what is the Savior's response? Point number two. What is the Savior's response? So these disciples come to Jesus. Hey, Jesus. Uh... It's not us, it's John, it's not us. John is the one asking the question. He kind of said, you know, like, Lord, uh, you know, we've seen you do all this stuff, but Lord, are you the one, or should we wait for another to come? Are you the one, or should we wait? So there, Jesus is like, oh, you've asked a question, okay, just hang on a second. So he keeps doing ministry, and he's healing people, and things are happening, he ignores, Jesus ignores their question. And we are told, in that hour, he did this, 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 and this. And these disciples are there, watching what is going on. And then after, after that, Jesus stands around. And what does he say to the disciples, verse 22? And he answered them, go tell John what you have seen and heard The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear the dead are raised up. The poor have good news preached to them. The blessed is the one who is not offended by me. What kind of response is that? The question was asked, he'd have said, yes, I'm the one, or no, I'm not. It's a yes or no answer question. Yes or No. But he doesn't give a yes or no. He just goes into this, uh, what was Jesus doing here? You see, Jesus knows that John knows the scriptures well. Jesus knows that John the Baptist, his servants, knows the scriptures well. You see, John knew the book of Isaiah. He knew what Isaiah the prophet would say. So in Jesus going out to do all these things, Jesus doing all this, um, when, when you see the blind receiving their sight, the lame walking, lepers are cleansed, deaf hearing, all these things that Jesus is doing, yeah, Isaiah had prophesied when the Messiah comes. These are the things that will happen. So in other words, Jesus was quoting, for instance, Isaiah 35 verse 5 and 6. The blind shall see, the deaf shall hear, the mute shall, shall speak, the lame shall walk. Or Jesus goes on, Isaiah 26 verse 19, The dead shall be raised up. Or Isaiah 61 1, The Spirit of God has come upon me because He appointed me to bring good news to who? The poor. John knew the text. John knew Isaiah. And John knew, but Isaiah said that there will be a period where decisive deliverance will occur. Oh, Jesus knew. John You know, So guess what? I'm not going to just answer your disciples. No, I will model that I am truly who I say I am. So he will begin to do all these things. The disciples will watch. As they watch, then Jesus will turn and say to the disciples, Hey, guys, go tell John, I am it. I am the Messiah, I am the Savior, I'm the Sovereign King, I'm the reigning Lord. There is none other who's coming, John. I am the guy who's coming. And guess what? Jesus is still Messiah today. Jesus is still Savior and Lord, even when your finances are upside down. Even when your loved ones are dying of cancer, Jesus is still Lord Even when your children are walking away from the faith and they want nothing to do with the church and you're estranged from your spouse, Jesus is still Lord. Even when it seems like he's not answering your prayers, Jesus is still Lord. And when his gospel is proclaimed. He will save those who are His. Jesus is still Lord today. Just the same way He was telling John, hey, brother, I am still Lord. But then you still, you still have the question in your mind. Okay, so if you say that you still Lord, you still Savior, yeah, why is he not answering my prayer? Why is he not responding to the, my cry? Why is he not restoring my broken family? Why is he not healing the sick in our midst? Why? Why did he leave Brad to languish this way? And, and take out his mom or, or this lady in Africa whose husband who knows what he's doing tonight and how many names she'll be called tonight. Why is God not answering those prayers? And perhaps John has the same question. Why am I sitting in this prison? Why am I still sitting here? If truly Jesus is who he says he is. See, you might have missed verse 23 there of that parable, uh, I mean of that story in our text. Verse 23, Jesus said, oh yeah, not only should you tell John what you've seen and heard, but uh, blessed is the one who's not, who does not fall away on account of me. Blessed is the one who's not offended by me. This little beatitude, verse 23 Blessed is the one, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. NIV will say, blessed is the one who does not fall away on the account of me. You see, John had assumed, John assumed that the mission of Christ will be a certain way. That when the Messiah comes, this is what's going to happen. Herod, the evil king. Yeah, the axe is at the root of the tree. Lord, cut his tree down and throw him to the fire. And take care of all these evil people. Lord, do this and do this and do this. And maybe John had this assumption that when the Messiah now takes his own and comes as a conquering king, he'll be out of prison. And the ones who put him there, oh, game over. Right, He had assumed this just the same way you and I assume. Hey, we're going to pray and we're going to fast. And we're going to ask the church to pray and God is going to heal. And amazing things will happen for the glory of his name. Because people around will now know that Jesus is who he says he is. And they'll come to saving faith. And it doesn't happen. And you're wondering, Lord, what's going on? You see, you assume that you know the mission of God. It's the same thing Job going through the difficulties and struggles. And would say, if only God were here. If only God was here, I would stand up and present my case to him and tell him how righteous I have have been. Or Elijah, when he goes up and he has this Mount Carmel experience and he shows everyone, the prophets of Baal, terrible people, fire from heaven comes, consumes, and it's like, now the nation will will repent. Uh, What does Jezebel do? Yeah, the very next day, Jezebel says, I want this man's head. Elijah taking off. Very discouraged. Wondering, Lord, we just so fire. What's wrong with these people? Why is there no revival happening in the nation? Same thing. Same thing. Same thing. We assume that we know. We assume that we know how God's mission will play out. And Jesus is saying, hey, the mission is mine. This is my mission. Don't abandon ship just because things didn't go the way you had envisioned them to go. You may be wondering, this is not the life I signed up for. This is not the life I signed up for. This is not what I thought it will be. This is not what I thought Christianity will be. And now you want to abandon ship and Jesus is saying, blessed is the one who does not fall away on the account of me. Blessed is the one who doesn't abandon ship. You see, my friend Brad Abandoned. My friend Brad abandoned ship. Not a Christian today. He's angry at God. How could God do this? How could God do this? How could God do this? He abandoned. Not a Christian anymore. The lady in Africa I was telling you about. My mother. That is my mom. And that guy, my father, right, I'm a pastor, prayed for this man like he wouldn't believe for years and years and years. Don't know what dad is doing today. Don't know how many names my mom would be called tonight. Don't know. Sometimes I call, sometimes I'm afraid to call. Because I don't want to hear it anymore. Is Jesus still Lord? Yes, he is. Do I want to see healing? Yes, I do. Has it happened? No, it hasn't. Why? I don't know. But Jesus will say to me, Ezra, blessed is the one who does not fall away on the account of me. Is what Jesus will say. I will end with this end with this. How then are we to live a godly life? How then are we to live a godly life when things go haywire? How do we trust Jesus even when our world is falling apart? How do we do this? You may ask. Three quick things. Number one, remember eternal life is guaranteed for the Christian. Remember, eternal life is guaranteed for the Christian. Christ will come back again. That's part of the gospel. A huge part of the gospel. Jesus Christ is coming again and he'll make all things what? New. All pain gone. All misery gone. No more mortgage. Praise God. (laughs) All of it gone when he comes back again. He'll remove the curse from the earth. It would be like, if I came and I told you, if you had financial crisis, and you're drowning in your debt, and I told you, in the summer, in July, July 1, I will give you $100 million. U.S., not Canadian. How would you live your life now? Yes, you've been drowning in debt, and you don't want the phone to ring and the creditors and your house might be auctioned and whatever the case may be and your stuff may be liquidated to pay the creditors but how would you live if you knew a hundred million dollars guaranteed will come July 1. Yes, the suffering will be there but you will suffer differently. You see the Christian the Christian hope Christ is coming back again. Make all things new. He'll make all things new. If you're a Christian, you should say amen to that. So remember, eternal life guaranteed. Second, remember the mission of God. What is the mission of God? We are here to glorify God. Regardless of our hardships. Regardless of our suffering. Regardless of your hard time. You're here, you and I, to bring glory to God. We suffer as people of hope. We remember the mission of God. Finally, finally. Finally, God did not leave us. Christ did not leave us as as offense here. <clears throat> He'll grant us the Holy Spirit. You cannot live the Christian life without the Spirit of God. You can't. You cannot. Try living the Christian life without the, 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 the aid, the, the empowerment of the Spirit of God. You can't. You will fail. Always. And maybe you're sick and tired of being sick and tired because you keep sinning and you keep struggling and you're trying to obey God and you can't do it right because you're doing it in your own strength. You cannot do it in your own strength. You need the Spirit of God. That's why every day when you leave your house and you hold the doorknob of your door, pray and ask the Lord to fill you with the Spirit because you don't know what's going to meet you outside of that door. You don't know. So how do I live? Every day, Lord, help me by Your spirit. Help me As I was seated there before I came to preach here, the same thing. Do I like public speaking? No. I'm a very shy person. But I, I'm serious. I'm very shy. Very serious. I was seated there nervous. My, my heart in my mouth. And I was praying, Lord, fill me with your spirit that I may proclaim your word with tremendous boldness. The spirit of God is the one who enables you to live. you're here and you don't know Jesus and you may look at the Christian life and say man it's, it's hard oh but God gives you his spirit you can come and know Jesus today I'm not saying that knowing Jesus will alleviate your problems no but one thing is for sure he'll guarantee eternal life he'll fill you with his spirit and he'll show you how you can live for his glory if you want to know more about this Jesus Pastor David is here, I am here, Pastor Jeff is here. We'll be more than happy, and other, the, the worship team is here as well. We'll be more than happy to talk to you about this, Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father, for your grace, we are truly thankful. And Lord, I don't know the needs that are here today. <clears throat> but Lord, they are known to you. And so Father, for the brokenhearted, I pray that you'd comfort for the ones who are sick, Lord, would you extend your hand over their lives and would you touch them? Would you heal them for the, for the glory of your name? For those who are seeking answers, Lord, I pray that in the midst of their seeking, that they would hear you through your word, Father. Would you accomplish your purposes in us? Heal us and unite us that we may live our lives for the glory of your name. I commit these things to you in Jesus' name. Amen.